Thank you for tuning in to the Practical Preservation Podcast. Please take a moment to visit our website, practicalpreservationservices.com, for additional information and tips to help you restore your historical home. If you've not done so, please subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, or SoundCloud, and also like us on Facebook. Welcome to the Practical Preservation Podcast, hosted by Danielle and Jonathan Kepperling. Kepperling Preservation Services is a family-owned business based in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, dedicated to the preservation of our built architectural history for today's use as well as future generations. Our weekly podcast provides you with expert advice specific to the unique needs of renovating a historic home, educating by sharing our from-the-trenches preservation knowledge and our guests' expertise, balancing modern needs while maintaining the historical significance, character, and beauty of your period home. Today on the Practical Preservation Podcast, we have uh, Joe Jenkins with us from uh, Joseph Jenkins Incorporated. Thank you for thank you for joining me today. My pleasure. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about your background. Well, most of the preservation work I do is relating to slate roofing. I started uh, slate work uh, in 1968, actually when I was 16 as a roofer's helper. And uh, 68 is 12 years later. Two years later, I started my own business. 12 years later, I uh, specialized in slate work. <clears throat> so I had a, a slate roof restoration business, slate roof installation restoration from 1980 to 2015 uh, when I retired, so to speak, but my two boys who grew up in the business now have their own companies. So they're carrying on the trade. Oh, very cool. So in the meantime, I I wrote the Slate Roof Bible back in 1995 or 96. I think the first edition came out. And uh, since then, it's, it's now in its third edition. Uh, I also founded the Slate Roofing Contractors Association of North America. It's an international trade association with members in uh, three continents. And uh, the focus, of course, is slate roofing. Yes. So uh, I've been pretty entrenched in the, in the slate roofing trade since since I turned 16. Yeah, yeah, that's that's great. And I'm, I'm glad to hear that your your sons were interested and in, in willing to, to continue the trades, because I, I do think that that's very important for for the, the knowledge to be continued to be shared. Uh, I do. I do have the Slate Roof Bible in my in my library in my office. So I we I have uh, referred to that. Um, when there's questions about slate, we, that's not something that we necessarily do, but it's nice to have a resource where you can at least, you know, make sure you're giving the right answer <laughs> when, yeah. So, so uh, why, why did you get drawn into slate roofing? What was, what was, was it just that you kind of just happened to fall into it or did you have a passion for it? Well, like I say, when I was 16, my neighbor's granddad was looking for 
some hardworking kid to help with right. his, his roofing business, roofing and sheet metal. That was in Butler, Pennsylvania. And uh, so I, you know, he hired me and I worked in his business and did all the roofing. Uh, worked on all the roofing jobs and the sheet metal, worked in the sheet metal shop. But I wasn't very impressed mm-hmm. with roofing in general. Right. Uh, we did we did a lot of hot mop, you know, uh, yeah. asphalt buildup. We did wood. We did um, a cold applied single single uh, um, cold applied membrane uh, mm-hmm. materials. We did asphalt shingles. Uh, we also did slate though. And, and the only thing, you know, when I climbed on my first slate roof uh, and sat up there on the ridge and looked down from that angle, it just clicked. Uh, right, oh, yeah. <laughs> right then and there, I said, this is how you make a roof. Yeah. Stones overlapping stones. Right. Nailed, nailed to wood. I mean, that's all there is, all there was. And it worked yeah. like a charm and it's natural and there's no petrochemicals and nothing yeah. to pollute the environment. And it looks nice. And, and it lasts a long time. <laughs> lasts a really yeah. long time. Yeah. And it's nice to work with. And so after that, I kind of abandoned all the other types of roofing um, and just decide I'm, I'm going to just stick with slate. It's, it's, yeah. it's what I feel the best about. And so that's what I did. Yeah. I was, I'm, I, and I'm, I'm curious. Um, I know you said that your, your trade association is, is, is international. Is slate like a regional, more regional in certain in areas? Is that where slate was available? Is that, is that how slate was used? Yeah. Yeah. That's that's exactly right. Uh, when s- slate uh, first started to be used as roofing, it was used where it was mined mm-hmm. yeah. because it's heavy. And uh, you were talking about well, in the United States, uh, really, it started in a, the mid eighteen hundreds. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the first commercial quarries in Vermont, which was the big, big slate area was like 1865. Um, and at that time, everything's horse and buggy or train. Right. So uh, where the slate roofs ended up was wherever the trains went. And if trains didn't go there, it was hard to get to. There weren't slate roofs. So right. you had large areas of the country that had a lot of slate and large areas of the country with no slate. And then you, you go around the world, it's the same thing. Yeah. Germany had its own quarries. France had, had its own quarries. Spain has its own quarries. Uh, Wales, England, Ireland, Scotland. Uh, very many countries had their own slate quarries, and they therefore had slate roofs uh, predominantly, especially in the regions where the slate quarries existed. And that makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. That was my assumption, but I just wanted to to make sure that I was assuming the right thing. Yeah, it's still like that today. Yeah, yeah. So tell me, uh, tell me about your company, your your products or services. I know you have publications and you offer training. So, so tell me about those things. Well, I, I, I only have two books in print okay. related to Slate Roofs. One's the Slate Roof Bible, as you, as we already mentioned, it's in third 
uh, third printing. It's a hardcover, full color book. Um, and then uh, uh, recently, last year, actually, I, I printed, I, I published the Slate Roofs 1926, which is a uh, reproduction of okay. printed in 19, published in 1926. Um, it's a reproduction, not exact, all the original information is there, but I added yeah. material to bring things up to date. Uh, different cover, in fact, the cover's right here. Oh, right, I see, yes. Right there. That's a modern the, uh, photo, but it's a photo dating back to 1920 of a building that's was built back then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, with a slate roof. So those are the only two books I have in print. Uh, we do, the Slate Roofing Contractors Association, which I'm executive director of, uh, we do uh, have um, guidelines, installation guidelines, mm -hmm. restoration guidelines, uh, for available for free download on, uh, on the internet at slateroofers.org. So anybody who's going to install a roof or restore a roof can download our, our, our guidelines oh, very, uh, yeah. for free. And, and some of them are, uh, well, they're in Word, they're in PDF, and some of them are uh, translated into Spanish, the installation guidelines. Um, so also at slateroofers.org, we have source lists for contractors source lists for new slate, new roofing slate, for salvage roofing slate, for architectural sheet metal, uh, for asbestos uh, tiles, <clears throat> for ceramic tile, roof tiles. Uh, we, we have a number of source lists there. So we have a map shows where all the members are uh, worldwide. But if you're looking for a contractor in New York, for example, you just look at the map and see if there's anybody Anybody close? Yeah. yeah, we looked at a project a couple of weeks ago that I looked up at the roof and I'm like, I said, that's not slate. And she's like, no, it's not. She said it's ceramic. And but in, in our area in, in um, southeastern Pennsylvania, we don't see very many ceramic roofs, but it was it was thick. It looked kind of like slate, but it was it was it looked thicker than slate from the ground. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So. Yeah. A lot of people don't know the difference between slate between ceramic and between asbestos. Mm -hmm. They still call asbestos shingles, some people still call asbestos shingles asbestos slate. Uh, a slate's a stone, you know, it's right, a natural yeah. stone like granite or marble. Uh, there's no such thing as asbestos slate. No. <laughs> but when, uh, when they came out with asbestos, which is a, a fiber cement right. shingle, the marketers called it asbestos slate. That's how they advertised it. And so the name just kind of stuck. People just, right. yeah. you know, so they still think it's a slate material. It's not. Yeah. Yeah. So do you, um, I know on your website, you have like slate um, accessories. I don't know if that's the right word, but like, like think like snow guards and the, the hooks. Yeah. Yeah. I, I yeah. have uh slateroofwarehouse.com uh also snowguardwarehouse.com which is uh, a category in slateroofwarehouse.com 
uh, and, and I've been online for 20 years now right. uh, with e-commerce. It was always a sideline. You know, um, we ran a contracting business and we had trouble finding stuff that we needed. Right. And we finally got the sources straightened up. Then, uh, then I'd make them available online for other contractors. Um, now I'm retired from contracting, but I, I still have the e-commerce business and the publishing and consulting work, which I've been doing since 1998 with, uh, Slate Roofs. So, uh, and the SRCA. So I'm busy. I'm busy every day. Oh yes, I'm sure. I'm sure. Um, did, uh, is your consulting, do you go nationwide for that or you? I do. I do. I'm cutting, cutting back on it a bit. Uh, it's just getting the time. Yes. Yeah. To, uh, you know, it takes a lot of time to, and with all this COVID right now, that's, it's hard to travel anywhere. Yeah. I don't feel like going anywhere. No, I'm not, I'm not afraid of the virus, but all the lockdown stuff is yeah. so annoying that I'm just not going to bother with. It. Yeah. To have to, yeah. All the, all the, uh, travel regulations. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so um, I know that you're kind of stepped back from actually contracting, but do you have any notable projects that you'd like to, to share with us? Uh, well, I mean, I've had a lot of notable projects mm-hmm. uh, consulting. Oh, sure. You know, my, my very first consulting job in 1998 was uh, Ford's Theater in Washington, D.C., we uh, we worked on the Peterson House across the street from there, where President uh, Lincoln died. Then, so that's oh yeah. What they took him across the street? Yeah, they took him across the street to a boarding house. It's it's really just a row house, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. it was a boarding house then. Wow. Yeah, that was an interesting uh, project there. It's yeah. uh, I had to go up and look at the roof, you know, so mm-hmm. I. I had to go up through through the attic. A lot of these old buildings, you can get up through a trap door. Oh yeah. Onto the roof, you know. I mean, I've worked on so many churches and cathedrals and government buildings, historic buildings, and luckily, yes. a lot of them I can climb up there through the inside. And when I went up to the uh, Ford's Theater roof, I had the the only way up there was across the stage. Oh my goodness above the stage yeah yeah like, like on the like, catwalk or i don't know what they call that <laughs> yeah there's yeah. like catwalks yeah. planks up there and, yeah you know a little railing and you can you know all the ropes and everything for where they hoist the the uh, curtains and everything yes. so, oh my goodness so i had to walk across that and there was a there was a uh, a play going on at the time <laughs> so they had all their stuff <laughs> yeah all the stuff the, the actors were underneath me. The, yeah. the audience was full. And that was my first time in the building. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, <laughs> that sounds that sounds that sounds very memorable. <laughs> yeah. Oh my what was even more memorable was they were they were going to tear the roof off and replace it. at uh-huh. uh, You know, a lot of money. As oh, you, yeah. You're well aware. And uh, when I went and looked at it, the roof had already been replaced. It was a 25-year-old oh, goodness. roof that, that had a 150-year life expectancy, and right. they were getting ready to tear it off again. 
they didn't know they had no record of it being replaced. Oh my goodness. I can't, well, I can believe that we're having worked for the park service, but, <laughs> but that's, um, you saved them a lot of money. Your, your consulting fee was worth it. <laughs> well, I saved the taxpayer probably $400,000. Oh so. yeah. Easily, easily. So that's, that was my, that was my first job. And after I did that one, I, I decided there's a place for me to do this work in this society, in this country. So I continue to do it. And I've done hundreds of uh, jobs like that since then. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very. A lot of litigations, you know, a lot of. Oh yeah. Is it, is it usually um, poor workmanship? Is that when you get pulled into litigation? Uh, some of it's poor workmanship. Okay. Uh, a lot of it now is insurance claims. Okay. Yeah bogus insurance claims um but some of it's some of it is poor workmanship yeah and 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 not not necessarily poor workmanship but but uh accusations of poor workmanship right yeah so that's the problem so they have to get somebody in who can look at it and evaluate it the roof and then submit the data and then carry on from there you know as to whether which way to go I don't take sides. I just, I look at the roof. You just, yeah, you, you just, yeah, yeah. Report yeah, I, the data the way I see it and yeah. they can take it or leave. Yeah. And I think that's, that's the way to be fair and impartial because they're bringing you in for your opinion. You're not, yeah. You have to be, you have to be. The, the, the biggest thing I learned from consulting like that, I learned who the crooks are. Right. You got people trying to bribe you, you got this and oh, that, goodness, trying yeah. to influence and threaten you, you know. Uh, wanting you to, to to give information that's not necessarily true, right? Uh, you know, I just ignore it all and uh, get up on the roof where the, where they can't follow me. <laughs> <laughs> They're not going to be standing there talking the whole time. No, no, they don't follow me up there. I, so oh, that's funny. But I think I think I mean you have to have you have to have your integrity. I I, I just. I your rep- the only way to do business. Your reputation is the most yeah. valuable thing. Yeah, yeah definitely. But um, the um, I know like some of our listeners are homeowners. Are there do you are there common mistakes that you see um, in uh, people maintaining their their slate roofs? Oh yeah, absolutely. The first the first mistake, probably one of the most common mistakes, is people get an opinion from a roofer who doesn't know what what he's talking about yes (laughs) i see this all the time all the time they get a roofer looks at it says oh well you got we can't fix that you got to replace it uh and it's just false you know uh if if they were if they were experts or or experienced in in slate they would look at and say oh yeah no problem we can we can fix that for you right right um So that uh, also another thing is people think, well, the roof's 100 years old. They got to replace it. Mm-hmm. They don't understand that when, when it comes to slate, there are all different kinds. Right. Let's say when I let's say 10 different kinds. Generally speaking, so you have you could have one of 10 different kinds of slate. Some of those at the one end of the spectrum are going to last for 200 years at least 
Right. But Buckingham is one of them. Peach Bottom's one of them. Um, on the other end of the spectrum, the slates might only last 50. And those are all gone because they were the Pennsylvania right. urban slates. Most of them are, are gone. The Pennsylvania softer slates uh, might have a lifespan of 75 to 125 years. So yeah, if it's 100 years old, it's a Pennsylvania black slate. You probably do need to replace it. Right. But if it's 120 years old in Vermont, uh, unfading green or purple or red, New York red or Buckingham, it's only halfway through its life. Right. Yeah, and it is a it's a stone, and it depending on where it's quarried from depends on on how strong it is or how durable it is. Where it's quarried. What? Yeah. Is and, that what what fails? Is it the um like it does it become just it starts to delaminate? Is that correct? Well, it's it's yeah. just a general chemical decomposition. Okay. Okay. It just uh it, it's funny, um, I uh. You know, when let's let's take the Pennsylvania black slates because they were the they were the the shortest lived right slates. But when you get them out, when you get the rock out of the ground, it, it's rock. You know, so you have a piece of slate and you bang on it with a hammer, it rings. It's nice and hard. Mm -hmm. uh, but exposure mostly to heat. Okay. Mostly to heat because what happens is the south sides of the roofs go faster than the north sides. So if you have a Pennsylvania black slate, one side's facing south, it will, it will degrade 20 years prior to the north side. Oh, really? Yep. So the one thing that, that I found interesting was uh, I was working on a, on a barn at Pennsylvania black slate and it was getting soft. It was a banger black. Mm -hmm. Uh, and the farmer said he had a stack of the original slates in the barn, you know, a couple right. hundred that he saved from when yeah. the, that had been saved from when the slate was installed a hundred, you know, 90 years ago, whenever it was. Right. So I, I rooted around down in the barn and found that stack of slate. They were stacked on edge like they're supposed to be. Mm -hmm. But what shocked me was that they were getting soft too. Oh, really? Never been on a roof. It's just their age. Yeah, yeah. Um, that, that makes sense though, because it is a natural, if it's a natural de de uh, decomposition. Yeah. yeah, exposure to air, you know, that sort yeah. of thing. Well, on the inside of barns get hot. <laughs> I mean, not as hot as on the roof, but they do get, they do get uh, hot. Yeah, and yeah. humid, you know, and stuff yeah. like that. And so. they're not climate controlled. So you get that, the whole freeze thaw cycle too. Right. So yeah. even though those, those slates were put in there when they were brand new and hard and rang like a, you know, a bell. Yeah. 75 years in the barn and they were turning soft. Yeah. Sitting on that's the floor. That's interesting. Yeah, that's interesting. So um, what um, challenges or trends do you see in, in preservation? Well, the, the biggest challenge, in my opinion, is the mentality of, of, of our culture that we can throw stuff away and it doesn't right. matter, you know? Uh, it's a throwaway mentality. Um, I've traveled all through Europe. I've been to 64 countries. I've been to many countries multiple times. And one of the most gratifying 
things about being in Europe is the preservation that they do right. of their architecture. Uh, you know, they, they can have sections of cities that are a thousand years, that date back a thousand years. Here, we just tear them down and dump them in a landfill. Right. You know, the preservation uh, trades are very important. <clears throat> and, and are, I, yeah. I was just going to say, I think in America too, that the preservation trades have probably only been kind of organized and it's very loosely organized <laughs> for maybe what, 40 or 50 years yeah. where they have a much longer tradition in, in Europe. Exactly, yeah. exactly, yeah. So a, a lot of Americans don't travel to Europe, you know, they'll, they'll right. go to, uh, you know, they'll go to the Caribbean or something to a beach. Right. They don't learn about uh, architecture and preservation and history and the, the culture and, uh, it's, I mean, even uh, like Turkey, for example, and the mosques yes. uh, built these, these places that were built before electricity, before the internal combustion engine. They had no cars or trucks. They had no machinery, equipment like that. They, they couldn't plug in a tool. And right. they made these massive, massive uh, works of art. The, the mosque, the blue mosque in, in, the, in Istanbul. And, yes. you know, and that's where I learned about the importance of uh, generations in, a, in trade workmanship. Mm, yeah, yeah. You know, the, the reason they were able to do that in the 1600s is because they had hundreds of generations in the trades building upon each other. Right, yeah. And generation after generation yeah. after generation and that's so when my boys picked up and started their own companies, that's only two generations. But right. But the one generation made a big difference. They started out running right. with a whole skill set that most people will never have. Right. Well, and we've had that conversation. So my, our company, my Jonathan, my husband started working for my dad before we were even married. Um, and he worked with him until my dad, my, both my parents retired three years ago. And, um, I've been saying we need to find him an apprentice, but the other thing that I've said to him is working in the business with them for 20 years before they retired. I feel like I'm in my early forties, knowing way more than they knew in their early forties. Yeah. Like, I just feel like that I have that knowledge of, you know, everything that we've learned before now we can build on yes yeah. yes yeah my boys have leapfrogged over me i can't they've got skills that i never even started to have right know? yeah it's 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 pretty it's pretty amazing but i think that i think that that's the way knowledge works you you build on what you know yeah, yeah. yep yeah. and uh, you do that for a couple hundred generations or maybe 500 generations you know who knows how many generations occurred before by the time they built the Blue Mosque. Right, yeah. But it's a masterpiece. And there are so many cathedrals, et cetera. Oh my goodness, yeah. That are just absolute masterpieces. And now, today, try to find men or and women who can right. do that kind of work. Oh, it's, yeah, it's, it's difficult. It's few and Very far between, yeah. There yeah. are people doing it, but. Yep. Yeah, it's, it's few and far between. And it's hard to find, it's hard to find people uh, I think that that's starting to change, but it, it, I know when I was in 
high school, they weren't encouraging people to go to trade schools or to oh. go go apprentice. They were encouraging everybody to go to college. And that's I I think that that's good for 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 some people, but I don't think it's good for everybody. And right. I'm not of the opinion that you take all the kids that are having trouble in school and throw them in Votech either, because that's not the answer either. No. Because you need to have a brain. <laughs> you need to that's be able to. Right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. And we're and we're suffering from it now as a as yeah. a culture, as a nation. You know that we nobody was paying attention to what the future really right. needed, yeah. and now we have this big shortage of skilled skilled labor we do and a glut of people with college degrees who can't get a job yeah definitely so. definitely so well is there anything that we um that i forgot to ask you or that you thought about while we were talking that you wanted to to share um well uh we i think we pretty much covered okay. uh covered the whole thing here. Okay, very good. Well, do you, I know you have your books. Oh, on your I, there's one, yeah. one thing that I oh, that sure. we didn't mention was I, I did start a training center. Okay. Oh, sure. And it's uh, slateroofraininggcenter.com. Uh, and I'm the instructor. So right now I'm the only instructor. So I only schedule classes when I have time, which is not often enough, but uh, I'm going to start up again the end of next month, March, late March, and I'm going to try to schedule enough classes to get my backlist caught up, my wait list. Right, yeah. We only have two courses, slate roof installation, eight-hour course, slate roof repair and restoration, eight-hour course. Uh, we intend to uh, have a soldering uh, course full day and a flashing course which would be at least a, a day and maybe eventually combine it so we have five days in a row if somebody wants to just take just the whole do everything day. yeah yeah that's i think those are all very important um important skills do you have a wide variety of people who take your courses or is it mostly trades people no it is a wide variety okay, okay. yeah it's maintenance people it's home owners property owners uh uh, employees, uh, I have, if, if a company wants to send their employees, some of their employees, I allow the, the, uh, the company owners or the, you know, the boss yes. to attend the courses, to audit the courses at no charge. Oh, very cool. So if they want to bring one or two of their guys and then just sit in the back, you know, and watch, watch mm -hmm. the whole thing. Part of it's classroom, most of it's hands-on. Right, yeah. So uh, they can see the training that their employees are getting and they're getting the same education too. They're just not doing the hands-on right. and they're not getting the handouts, which are the books and yeah. other handouts that come with the course. Yeah, okay, very good. Well, I um, I, I think that that's very, um, very, a very important um, service that you're offering. And thank you, thank you for, for doing that. Um, is there any, I, um, I know you have the books on the website and we talked about the different websites and I'll make sure that we have those on our site, you know, so that when people are listening, they can come back and look at it. Is there anything that you have that you want to highlight as an offer? Um, maybe the training center or is that, was that your, um, 
as an offer, you mean? You like, say? yeah, like, did you anything that you want to highlight that you're that you have for sale that or not? It doesn't have to be like discounted, just that you have, you know, that you have available for people to purchase. Yeah, well, I, I have the books uh, okay. for sale, but you can buy a, a combo. You can get two of them. I mean, you know, the two books for a discounted price. Okay. I, also, the Slate Roof Bible is available as a download, a PDF download. So you can get the whole book as a PDF, okay. full color, um, for half the half the price of the paper book. Okay, very very good. Okay, and how can someone contact you if they're interested? We'll we'll definitely put the websites up. Is there? Yeah, josephjenkins.com. That's my my hub website, and people can contact me there by mail okay. at josephjenkins.com. M A I L um by email that way or if you happen to get online and check out the website uh all the links are there and the phone numbers links and phone numbers okay very good well thank you so much for for spending a little time with me today i i, I learned some things about slate and i i appreciate you sharing your knowledge with me well i'm always always happy to talk about slate <laughs> thank you <laughs> thanks for having Thanks for listening to the Practical Preservation Podcast. The resources discussed during this episode are on our website at practicalpreservationservices.com forward slash podcast. If you received value from this episode and know someone else that will get value from it as well, please share it with them. Join us next week for another episode of the Practical Preservation Podcast. For more information on restoring your historic home, visit practicalpreservationservices.com.